0: Welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ Weekly Message Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. This week, Joel Nagel preached another sermon in the God's World Created series titled, Becoming Fully Human. All right. I um, hey mean, You guys turn your Bibles uh, to Jeremiah. Let's say that. Let's do that. That sounds good. Uh, We're going to read out of Psalm 135 real quick, though, as we journey through the Psalms here. Psalm 135, this actually fits with what we've been talking about the past few weeks uh, with this series, God's World Created, and it says, uh, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. That's verse 5. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, and brings forth the wind from its storehouses. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, as we've been learning uh, about your creation, God, and about you as our creator, uh, it's so fitting that this psalm would say that whatever you please uh, is what you do, God, and you're able to do. And uh, and we want to see you as that great big God. Uh, even as we kind of zoom in to what it means to be uh, your children and your creation ourselves. Uh, Give us that wisdom. Give us inspiration today as we hear your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, um, today we're going to talk about something that maybe you've never heard a sermon about. Um, I don't think I ever have, and so let's go to some new territory together. You guys are taking a field trip here to the Lansing Church. We're going to take a field trip in Jeremiah The whole sermon's like a field trip. Who doesn't love field trips? I love field trips. Um, That's awesome. Um, And so we're going to talk about becoming fully human. Okay, what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be a person, a man, or a woman? We've been going through Genesis chapter 1 at a slow, slow pace. um, As we get into the scriptures, really in a pretty slow pace. But a few weeks ago, we talked about creation and beauty. We talked about how we're really the only um, created beings that are able to even recognize beauty. And I hope that you've seen more beauty, even in things maybe that we wouldn't traditionally consider beautiful since that message a few weeks ago. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about seasons and rhythms, how in Genesis chapter 1, it's not just God created this, this, and this, but he also created seasons in our world that we experience. We're experiencing them right now on a beautiful fall day. And rhythms for our lives. And our lives need to reflect that. And then last week, Josh talked about light and darkness. And we talked about taking a more nuanced, uh, maybe like a biblically mature look at light and darkness. Not just light, good, darkness, bad. But God, it says in Genesis 1, governs the moonlight and the sunlight. And we need both in our lives. Um, You know, maybe the, the opposite of the other parts of creation... We actually, if you think about it, grow more in the dark times and in the struggles than we do in the light. And God created both of those things. Uh, and so I've enjoyed going through Genesis 1 slowly uh, for a couple of reasons. One is I've got a bunch of content that I need to create around the rest of Genesis uh, for this thread thing, and the deadlines are kicking my butt. <laughs> and so let's go slow. This is good. Um, and then the other thing is, I think we're so familiar with Genesis chapter 1, and maybe we don't appreciate the poetry enough, um, like you're like, yeah, we get it, there was evening and morning, it was good, it was good, it was good, we get it, right? That we kind of like skip that, all that stuff that we've, that we've spent some time on to get to the very good part, which is what we finally get to be at today, where God creates us. And so we finally made it. We've made it to the sixth day, and we're going to spend some time here. But first, as I said, we're going to take a field trip. You guys ready for a field trip? Let's do it. Okay. So at our staff meeting this past Tuesday, we actually went on a field trip. You want to know where we went? We have our meeting right back there um, in Tina's section. We'll call that Tina's section. Um, Right back there. But we took a field trip to the foyer, Okay. Uh, maybe the shortest possible field trip you could take. Um, uh, we got on a bus, we drove around the building, and we landed at the foyer. Um, we took a field trip to the foyer uh, because we want, we're working on just making the church more welcoming for anybody who walks through those doors. Um, and it was really cool. We were looking at that. And then we got eventually like, well, we looked at the foyer, and I was like, hey, Josh, you ever been up in the Belfry? Um, he's like, no, let's go. Um, and then Tina was like, I got to get up there too. And so we were all up in the bell tower. It's so creepy up there. It's wild, you guys. And the ladder, it's so dangerous. So we made it, we made it quite an adventure. Um, uh, it was quite the field trip. But let's look at uh, Jeremiah 18, because Jeremiah goes on a field trip. <clears throat> Jeremiah 18... Starting in verse 1. Get my clicker here. It says, The word of the Lord came uh, to Jeremiah, or sorry, the word came, uh, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and take a field trip to the potter's house. Go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Isn't this cool? Like Jeremiah is such a cool book. But at this this point, God's like, hey, get up. We're going to have an object lesson. Uh, Go to the potter's house and just check out what the potter is doing. And so Jeremiah goes, you can kind of see here, this is such a nasty picture, like the mud on, that, on the hand there is like so thick and it's dirty and ugh, okay. but that. So Jeremiah like walks in and the potter's working on it and, he's, and the pot that he's making is messed up. And so he's not like, oh, I made a messed up pot. He's like, smashes it down and reforms another pot. And if that potter wanted to, all day long. Smash, reform. Smash, reshape. That's what a potter does. Let's look in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, and we'll start in verse 26. We're going to read through chapter 2, verse 15. In this, we're going to see two different lenses of the same creation account, okay? It says, um, in verse 26, it says, Then God said, This is after five days of creation, and then on the sixth day, already creating animals and creepy crawly things. It says, So uh, then God said, Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. So eat your vegetables, right? Um, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus... The heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the the earth and the heavens. and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A little foreshadowing there. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Everybody knows that. Amen. Uh, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the, the third river is the Tigris, which follows east of Assyria, or flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. All right, and we'll stop right there. So that's a cool. That's a cool text. I don't know how often you read them together like that, both of these kind of lenses of creation, um, you know, a lot like how there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each, each Gospel is totally true, uh, but it's from four different people's perspectives, I think that these creation counts are two different perspectives of the same event, God creating everything. And I love this because it's so hard to deny creation because here we are, right? Um, amen. Um, call me simple, but here we are. Um, And so in the first account, uh, what we see in in the Genesis part is that we are created from the heavens above to be images of God so that the rest of creation and our fellow humans could look at us and and see a reflection of the Creator from the heavens above that they could see the divine in each of us. And there are flashes of the Trinity here. It says, let us create each in our image. Like, how did we get to this plural? Who are these other people? What is going on? And, it, and it's so important because it shows that we're created to be relational and above all, to have a relationship with God. I recently read this. Uh, this is from St. Anselm. Any fans of St. Anselm out there? 11th century, okay? Um, he said, Consider, therefore, the greatness and dignity God bestowed upon you at the beginning of your creation. And judge for yourself with what love and reverence he ought to be worshipped. For when, as he was creating and ordering the whole world of things, visible and invisible, he had determined to create the nature of man and woman, he took high counsel concerning the dignity of our condition for as much as he determined to honor you more highly than all the other creatures that were in the world. And I don't know if you totally understood that, but this is so cool, this thought from the 11th century, uh, that God created everything. Um, There was no high council of the Trinity. He didn't gather the Son and the Holy Spirit before he said, let there be light. He wasn't like, hey, let's talk about light. He just, hey, let there be light. And he didn't gather the heavens before he created the creepy crawly things or the oceans or the heavens above. But before he made us, he's like, hey, come on, let's let's get together. Let's talk about just how incredible these people are gonna be. And let us make man in our image. Pretty awesome, amen? That's the first creation account. And then the second creation account we see almost the total opposite. I don't know if you caught this. Instead of being formed from the heavens above, we're formed from the earth below. We're, for, we're formed from the dirt or the clay. Where's clay? This is for you, buddy. Um, and, and that's the meaning of Adam, Adam, is, is clay, like red clay, this red earth. And, then, and so we're formed from the earth itself and then we're breathed into the, 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 instead of the heavens coming down, the earth coming up is, is given the divine through a breath from God. And so what we see in these two lenses of the creation account is that there's a tension between the dirt and the divine. And we live in that. We live in between that, okay? Uh, you might feel like this, like none of us are dirt. You're like, oh, I feel like dirt. I hope you don't feel that this morning. But also, none of us are divine, and I hope you don't feel that either, okay? There's problems either ways. Let's examine these further here, okay? Um, the first, first thing I want to talk about today is that we're created in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and this is what this, this text reflects, especially the first part there. You know, image is so important in our culture. Uh, we've got filters on apps like Instagram that allow us to project images that aren't necessarily true, right? We probably don't even think much about it, though. Uh, We want to look good, right? Um, And so, you know, I've been uh, taking some pictures, putting them on Instagram, and I'll, I'll put a filter on there just to make something that already looks pretty cool look just a little bit cooler, okay? Genesis 1 tells us our image, we were created to look very good. That's what it says. Not just good, very good. Like God himself. That's the image. Talk about a filter, okay? You know, we talked about moonlight a little bit last week. And like how the moon reflects the light of the sun. We are to reflect God. That's the image that we get to reflect. That's encouraging. That's also kind of convicting, right? That's a pretty high calling, like... Oh, you're looking good today. But Are you looking like God today? What image are you reflecting to the world? Amen. Image and then likeness. And what does it mean to have a likeness? It's like when people see us, how we behave, how we love, all the things that we do, we have an opportunity to show them the likeness of God. Like when you see someone who looks like someone else, you're like, oh, is that? Oh, no, it just looks just like her. We can look just like God in the way that we live. Did you know you had the potential for that? We've been tasked with this monumental expectation that when people see us, that they would think about God and see God and his characteristics. The council of the Trinity got together and thought, yeah, they're up to it. That's how we want to make them. We want to make them in the image and likeness of us. Like God believed in you at the very beginning. Isn't that amazing? That's a great expectation. It's also like a humbling privilege um, that God believes in you, that you could reflect his image, that you could show his likeness to the created world. This is pretty cool. I want to look at these two scriptures here. Here's the thing. We, we were created in the image and likeness of God but we fall short, don't we? Like Every day we do. That's, that's it. That's perfect. You know what? Jesus was a man like us. He did not fall short. Look at this. He is, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's how amazing Jesus is. He did it. He is, I don't know what's up with my, my PowerPoint, has fallen short of the, the image and glory of God. Amen. Amen. Um, he, it's like, it's unsettling for it to not be in the box, but whatever, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, he is the radiance of the glory of God, and the, this is Jesus. He's the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus did it, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Amen. He was the image and likeness of God, no filter for Jesus. When you look at Jesus, you see God. And it's so amazing that we have the word that's upholding the universe, but also that we can read and get to know Jesus and see what God was like in the life of Jesus Christ. Amen? We aren't Jesus, but look at what the scriptures say about us, if you can read that. Uh, What the scriptures say about us in Psalm 103, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Isn't that amazing? No, we are not Jesus. But God, he remembers how he created us. He remembers when he got the council together. The Trinity is like, hey, son, Holy Spirit, let's do this thing. And then he built us up out of the dust. He formed us and breathed into us. He knows. And he has compassion. And he loves us. He knows our frame. Amen? You know, some good questions, I think, to, to ask for this. When people see you, what image of God are you projecting? How do we reflect God? And then maybe a, a deeper question. If they could only see you, what would they think God is like? Okay? Let's look at the next thing. We were created uh, with purpose, with Intent. And so we've been created in the image and likeness of God. We've also been created with a purpose. Uh, we saw this a, a while back when we, when we had a sermon about uh, the parable of the tenants that God, His creation, He created. It was a vineyard. It wasn't just, hey, here's, here's a bunch of stuff on the planet. When Jesus tells that story of creation, He says it's a vineyard. It's supposed to make wine, it, it's, it's imbued with purpose. Um, God's intent for his people and our lives, his purpose for us, in both accounts we see these things that are on the screen here. We're not just randomly here. You're not just here for nothing. It's right here in chapter 1 and 2, the first two pages of the Bible. If you've been wondering, what on earth am I here for? You don't have to read very far. In the first account, what does God say to, to his very good creation, the, the pinnacle of his creation to us? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Rule it. Subdue it. Like how God would. We, we hear like subdue. We're like, oh, subdue, like crush it. No, no, no. Like how God would. Rule it. Govern it with love and care. In the second account, we're to work and to keep, like, watch over the garden that we've been placed in. So what does this practically look like? Well, bearing fruit, what does that look like? It means producing good things, God things. What a blessing that we get to do that. What is being multiplying? Well, don't just produce a little bit of good things and God things. Multiply, produce a lot of good things and God things, right? Subduing, what is that? Like, less chaos more peace that's what a good ruler would do working how else are we going to produce good things and god things if we don't work at it if we don't put an effort and then keeping watch protecting looking out for especially those who can't protect themselves all if you're like what am i supposed to be doing with my life all of that on page one and two and then jesus doubles down on this when he teaches in the sermon on the mount look what jesus says if, it says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, every tree, every person that's not fulfilling this purpose and intent that they were created for is cut down and thrown into the fire thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now we have so many chances to if we stop bearing fruit to start bearing fruit again. And in John 15 it talks about how we're always being pruned. Even when we're producing fruit, we're getting pruned to be even more fruitful. We're created like that. But but the thing here is man, you got to think like if we love God, we will do God things. We will produce good fruit. It's just what happens. If you plant an apple tree, apples grow. You plant a Christian in the world, a Christian grows. Christian things, Jesus things start to happen. You'll recognize them by their fruit. What are are you producing in this world that God's put you in? Goodness, love, kindness, grace, and lots of it. That's how God has created us, that we could produce those things. Amen? All right. We're going to look at one more thing here. Um, So we live in this tension between the divine and the dirt. So our our busy brains, I don't know what you're thinking right now, but maybe something like this. Okay? Our our, our brains might be tempted to think, okay, if if we live between divine and dirt, I'm going to strive for perfection. I'm not going down in the dirt. I want... I want divine. I want to be the most fruitful, hard-working human being God's ever seen. I want to get as close to the divine as possible. And that might sound right, but it's a path to disappointment and pride. Or maybe there's some of us who are maybe a little more humble, or we're uh, maybe we, you know, we struggle with our self-esteem a little bit and we think, oh, I'm supposed to bear the image of God? can't do that why even try or maybe we think you know if I'm bearing the image of God that means that God is inside of me I can do whatever I want I'm like the div- I'm divine I have the divine in me I can go on sinning in the dirt and in the dust grace will increase God knows I'm dirt I can do whatever I want Paul addresses that in Romans chapter 6 and he says by no means right None of those ways I just mentioned are the ways we deal with this tension of being between the dirt and the divine. Here's how we do it. This is, this is, this is what God calls us to be. We were created for intimacy. That's, that's this other thing that's in the middle. And you see it later on, um, you know, even after sin, God, God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Like that's what we were created for—to walk with God, with Him, intimacy with God. So, how do we achieve the image of God, the intent of God? The answer is intimacy with God. And really, you know, we're talking about—we keep talking about the first pages of the Bible here, and all the—it's just loaded. The whole rest of the story, the rest of the Bible is God's relentless effort to restore intimacy Amen. that we'll see next week gets ruined. Um, you know, we see later uh, you know, what that intimacy looks like with, with walking in the garden. Here's, here's what I want us to understand today, that if, if we don't have a relationship with God, we're actually not living up to our full human potential. You might think, well, she's an incredible woman or he's a great man. If God's not a part of that equation, yep. nope, not, not very good, not, not even good. <laughs> They're missing what it means to be human. It's, just, it's our walk with God. That's what we were created for. And so I want to I encourage you to examine your walk with God. And it's a walk, so... Uh, You know, if you've ever been on a walk, there's like stages to it. You might get tired and want to sit down a little bit. You might see something really cool and stop for a little bit. Maybe take a picture. You you might yell at your dog for trying to roll and poop. There's all kinds of things that happen on walks, okay? Um, In our walks with God, it's a journey. It's a life. So I want you to think about these questions. Has your intimacy with God been damaged? Like, did something happen? And you're not you're not as close. Is there is there a distance now between you and God that wasn't there? And if that's where you're at right now in your walk with God, I I just want you to know that He's waiting for you in His unfailing love. We read we read that passage about how God knows that we are dust in Psalm, the very next verses. Look what it says. It says, "As for man, his days are like grass. He knows we're dust. our days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord uh, sorry, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. And so God remembers how we were formed out of the dust. And he knows that our life is it's a blink of an eye. It's it's grass that blows away. And yet, the steadfast love of the Lord is not a blink of an eye. It's not a blade of grass that grows and dies. From everlasting to everlasting, he walks with us. He has this relationship with us. He loves us. Amen? All right, I want to close out. We have to finish our, our field trip. We went to the potter's house. We saw what the potter was doing in Jeremiah, smashing and reforming and smashing and reshaping. But there's more to that story. And so if you would, turn to Jeremiah chapter 19. Here we go. So we go back to the potter's house, and I want you to think about this. Obviously, I think we knew from the start, but the connection is that God is a potter. And just like he formed us out of the clay, each of of our lives... God is completely in control. And you see this this passage here, that we want God to be in control. Look at how much he loves us and how how deeply he knows us. He knows how we were formed. He loves us. And so God's working this wheel and Jeremiah walks in and he sees smash and rebuild and smash and rebuild. And this is what our creator does With his creation. This is what it means to be fully human. It's to allow yourself sometimes to be smashed. And then lovingly in the hands of God, reshaped and reformed and rebuilt into something a little bit closer to what God created you to be. Molding us and forming us with his own two hands with love and purpose and imagination and desire and intimacy. That's who God is, and that tells us who we are. He molds us still in the tension between the dirt and the divine. What's happening in between there? Well, we're getting transformed all the time. Sometimes through victories, that's the fun stuff. It's like, look at this awesome pot I made! And sometimes through pain. Yeah, Yeah, we need to, this this pot is not awesome right now. (laughs) But we're being built into the image and intent and intimacy that God created us with. And so in Jeremiah chapter 19, this is what happens next. It says, thus says the Lord, and you can read all of 18, get the context on it. There's, there's amazing stuff here. But this is the, the next thing. There's another field trip that happens right after the trip to the potter's house. Thus says the Lord, go buy a potter's earthenware flask and take some of the elders and the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hanom Ben Hanom, at the entry of the Potshard gate and proclaim there the words I tell you. And then skipping down to verse 10, this is what Jeremiah is supposed to do. Then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you. And so like any good field trip, if you've ever been on a field trip with your kids, or uh, you remember that, it always ends in the gift shop, right? You go to the zoo, you've got you to walk through the gift shop if you want to get out, all right? And the kids are like, I want that lemur doll or whatever, okay? That's how it works. And so even for Jer- this is biblical, even for Jeremiah, he doesn't get out of the potter's house without buying something, okay? He takes his earthenware flask, that's what God chooses for him to buy, and and he takes it to this valley, the Valley of ben Hinnom. This was at the edge of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, they didn't have Granger trash service back then, and so they just threw everything into this valley, okay? Out of sight, out of mind. Um, and they didn't have plastic and tires and all that stuff back then, so it was actually, they're just throwing the clay, if a pot was broken, they're just throwing it back into the earth where it was. So kind of cool. Uh, there was other stuff there too that wasn't so good. Um, but, so he goes to this valley, to the, the trash dump. He's like, T-, and, 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 he, and God says, on this field trip, I want you to take a bunch of people with you. The elders, the leaders, because they, they need to see what's happening. And I want you to take the, the souvenir you bought on the first field trip, and I want you to smash it in front of everybody at this valley, this is an interesting thing is the valley Ben Hinnom is is where we get the word in the New Testament for hell. Um, Gehenna, Ben Hinnom, and Gehenna share the same root. And so, when Jesus says like you, where your body is thrown into hell, where the worm is not quenched and the fire never goes out in the Sermon on the Mount, he's referring to the trash heap of Jerusalem. Uh, where there would be little fires and worms, and you know it's trashy, okay? And so, and that, there's an interesting connection here. Uh, we want to stay out of hell, and we think of it as a future place, but there are a lot of people who are kind of living in it now. And here's the difference between a godly life, heaven, divine, and the dirt. Have you let your heart get hard? Okay? Because look at, the, look at the potter's wheel. That can be anything, and it could go really bad. It could, get, it could get all messed up. But as long as it stays soft, God can reform it. And it might be so painful, that reforming, like so painful. But God still has his hands on it. He can reform it. But once it gets hard and it ends up in the gift shop, you can't change that. The only thing you can do is smash it, break it, throw it away. And so what's the lesson for us? We, we, we went on a field trip too, didn't we, today with Jeremiah. The lesson is stay moldable. Stay humble as you walk with God. Not just a song, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Stay humble. As long as we're moldable, as long as we're like this clay, God can form us and reform us again and again. And he's so good at it. He's so good. It's tough for us but he's so good at it because it's always for for our own good it's always out of his love for us his desire to be close to us his willingness to get dirty and reform us and shape us and i want you to think about this you know we think about becoming fully human for ourselves and i hope that this lesson does teach you something about yourself about the way that god sees you but also, it should show us something about the, about the people all around us who are also becoming fully human all the time and being smashed down and rebuilt and shaped. Like, everybody here, everyone you interact with this week, your family when you go home for Thanksgiving, they're somewhere in this process of being shaped and formed by God. And we should, we should have so much grace for our fellow human beings. And we should have so much grace for ourselves wherever we're at, because God has unlimited grace for us. Amen? As long as we stay soft and we stay close to him, we're in good hands, God's hands. We always have been. You know, each of these sermons, we have this uh, new thing challenge. The reason it's called a new thing challenge is because God's still creating. In each of our lives, he can create new things all the time. He's an amazing creator. And so I want you to think about this. Um, kind of the main point of today is being molded and formed by the loving hands of God as we grow closer and closer to him. That's what it means to be fully human. To keep getting closer. Staying intimate with God. And so I want you to, to really think about this. It's Thanksgiving week. It's a great week to, to pray to God about what you're thankful for. But also, just think about be, how moldable are you? And when's the last time you just kind of said, "Hey, here's my my uh, my pot's looking pretty wonky right now," but I want to just be real. And the person you talk to probably like, "Yeah, we can all see it," <laughs> uh, but we love you. We love you anyway. Amen. Uh, and if I could say anything, I would say just this: stay moldable. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.